Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we discuss the 40 to 34 overtime loss at the hands of the Seahawks. Most guys have tried different ways to last longer, but saying the Pledge of Allegiance in your head or counting backwards from 10 doesn't always work. The folks at Roman, a men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to longer lasting sex. Roman Swipes are a clinically proven way to last longer in bed. They're effective, easy to use, and fast acting, and don't require a prescription. Roman can ship swipes to you in discreet, unmarked packaging, and each swipes packet is small enough to hide in your wallet for whenever you need it. Swipes are great, and they will not transfer to your partner so you can last longer without worrying. They're super easy to use. Just take swipes out of the packet, swipe it on, let it dry, and you're good to go. Get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's GetRoman.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L. For $10 off and free two-day shipping. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Forfeit the game before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name to shame, cover up your face. You can't run the race, the pace is too fast, you just won't last. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. The Buccaneers, they fought. They tried really, really hard. They lost. We have a voicemail about that. I'm sure we're going to get lots of voicemails about that here in the uh, probably the next 24 to 36 hours. But, you know, I, I tweeted out from the Bucks Nation account that it was it was really sad that as well as Jameis Winston and the offense played, people were still probably going to point to Winston's fumble as one of the reasons that they lost. And it really wasn't. It was a difference in three points. But people are going to look for reasons to blame Jameis, and, and that's exactly what I've already started seeing in the mentions. But let's let's not fool anyone here. The main reason this team lost is because the secondary is just absolutely trash. Tyler Lockett had a career high in receptions. DK Metcalf in the second half looked like Mike Evans in the first half. And at the end of the day, they needed one stop. Not even a complete stop. Just don't let them get all the way into the end zone. And Seattle marches the ball right down the field and gets in the end zone. The Bucks offense never saw the ball in overtime. And for the second consecutive time playing in Seattle, the Bucks walk away with an overtime loss. So I don't. So here's the thing I don't put this loss on the secondary players as much as I put it on Todd Bowles because, not for nothing, I know, James, I know you and I didn't get to do a game preview episode, you know, this, this week together, but. Through between the crossover episode and between what Evan and I did, we had a pretty good cross section or coverage of uh, what each side of the ball brought to the table and what to expect in this game. And as as many of our listeners tell us that they they think that we're we're fairly intelligent people when it comes to the topic of football and specifically the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but we also tend to 
be fairly accurate on our, our upcoming or the Buccaneers upcoming opponent as well. And one thing, James, that Evan and I talked pretty extensively about was one gentleman named Tyler Lockett and the fact that against a Todd Bowles defense, the way that this defense likes to run, using Tyler Lockett over the middle of the defense on crossing routes and on uh, vertical era or, or, or horizontal routes, you know, uh, routes coming across the quarterback's face to get separation from, from defensive backs that way was going to be a big thing. And I even mentioned that if this team was going to win, they were going to have to be really good in zone coverage because man coverage isn't going to do it. There is not a single cornerback or safety on this roster that can stay with Tyler Lockett. There's not a single cornerback or safety on this roster that can keep that can stay with DK Metcalf. And David Moore, if you put him on the wrong linebacker or the wrong safety, and or if, if Sean Murphy Bunting wasn't able to get inside leverage, outside leverage, whatever it called for, was also going to make plays. And not for nothing, but all three of those gentlemen made plays. Now, granted, it was the Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf show, but David Moore also came through with a couple of key key catches, especially one late in the game that helped the Seahawks uh, get back into the game. I can't remember if they tied the game or took the lead on that drive, but David Moore was instrumental in that drive and came up with a big catch for them uh, as well. All of these things that we talked about all week, all the things that you talked about with the host of the Locked On Seahawks, everything that he talked about with you, about the Buccaneers and everything, everything that Evan and I talked about, all of that stuff is what happened in this game. Like none of the stuff, like James, did any of the stuff in this game surprise you that you saw? No, no, no not at all. So my question then, right, is if we're seeing this, if we are aware of this, then why aren't the coaches? And I don't believe the coaches aren't aware of it. And I, and I just had this interaction with someone on Twitter where I tweeted you know, in that overtime period, I, I tweeted, why is Jamel Dean still getting called to single cover, man-to-man cover these wide receivers on the perimeter? And someone tweeted back to me, maybe he can back and be able to cover a guy man-to-man. And while I agree with that sentiment, right, that if that, yes, Jamel Dean should be able to cover a, an NFL wide receiver man-to-man because he's an NFL cornerback. Got it. Listen, if the world operated on what should happen, we wouldn't have policemen and we wouldn't have soldiers. Dragon, like the world doesn't operate off of what should happen. The, the world operates off of what is happening. If you don't take steps to combat what is happening, then you are to blame for your own problems. And what was happening on Sunday, what did happen in Seattle is Jamel Dean got absolutely worked every single time he was in man coverage with no help. And every single time the Seahawks got a big play on this secondary, it was against Jamel Dean manned up against Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf with nobody helping him. Where the hell was his help? Like at some point in time, someone's got to be Rocky Balboa, the better version, and throw the white towel in and say, you know what? Let's give Jamel some help. Maybe that gives some other guy some single coverage. Got it. But you know something? Jamel Dean was your weakest link, and you're only as strong as your weak. I'm just going to throw out all the cliches. You're only as strong as your weakest link. So if Jamel Dean is your weakest link, what the hell are you doing sitting there looking at your weak link saying, hey, weak link, maybe get stronger in the moment with no help, with no time to recover or recuperate. And, oh, by the way, you're a third-round rookie playing for an injured starter on the road against a playoff team with an MVP caliber quarterback. Are you are you kidding? I've never wanted our show to be uncensored as much as I do right now because that is an absolute leadership failure 
And it's not a leadership failure like we've been talking about. Nobody with C's on their chest failed this team today. None of them. Nobody with C's on their chest failed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The head coach, the defensive coordinator failed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, and and the prime example of that, David, is the first play of overtime. Very first play. What did the Buccaneers do? They switched to his own. What happened? Russell Wilson targets Tyler Locke, and Jamel Dean goes in and breaks up the pass. Yeah. Very next play, they go back to man coverage, and I believe it was David Moore who Mm -hmm. got 12 yards and a first down. Yeah. Like, you just what kind of route did he run? He ran across Russell Wilson's face, just like they did all day long. Yeah, constantly, all day long, and it worked all day long. Yeah, just like Evan and I, a dude with a torn ACL on pain meds sitting in Nashville, Tennessee, and a soldier stuck in North or in South Canada in, in New York. Just like the two of us said, exactly what they did, exactly what that NFL offensive coordinator did, exactly what that NFL MVP candidate quarterback did, and that NFL defensive coordinator with years and years of experience. Don't get me wrong, guys. Like you guys give us credit for not being overly emotional and all that stuff. And listen, I got it. Nothing really, nothing really pisses me off more. And, and people who know me on a personal level know this. Nothing pisses me off more than leadership failures. This is why when coaches become the the apparent uh, reason for for team failures, I get so frustrated because these players are out there executing what they're told to execute. Now, when they don't execute what they're told, right? I mean, you just you, James, you sat through it many, many times. Our listeners just heard me this past weekend say, "Listen, when you're Mike Evans, you got that C in your chest. You're supposed to be a quote unquote elite wide receiver, and you're out there not running your hot route." You can't hold anybody else accountable. Like I said, today, this game, Seattle, week nine, all the C's did their job. Every single one of them did their job. All the C's did what they needed to do to win. And you know something? That young secondary that everyone's giving such a hard time and that young corner in Jamel Dean that everybody's giving such a hard time, he did what he was asked to do. He's a third-round rookie cornerback for a reason. This is a playoff contender Super Bowl expectation team in Seattle for a reason with an MVP caliber quarterback for a reason with an all pro wide receiver in, in Tyler Lockett and an offensive rookie of the year candidate in DK Metcalf for a reason. And for all those reasons is why is why Jamel Dean should have never been left on an Island with any of those fools ever. And even if you do it once, once it doesn't work, you say, yeah, got it. That's why you were a third round cat out of the sec. Jamel Dean was a day two, possibly day three guy. This is not the time, and I know Bruce Arians came out and said this is a lesson learned for Jamel Dean. No, it's not. Jamel Dean didn't learn crap from this. You know what Jamel Dean learned from this is he's not super fast because he couldn't stay with Tyler Lockett, and he's not super physical which because he couldn't stay with DK Metcalf. You don't think Jamel Dean didn't know that coming into this game, Coach? You know what Jamel Dean learned? That when he is struggling on a professional field and when he is the guy sitting at the hot corner letting his team bust after hand after hand after hand, that his coach is not going to come in with an emergency ace and help him out. That's what he learned today. And how many times did we hear Rondé Barber and Kenny Albert say, well, we knew coming into this into this game that Russell Wilson was going to attack Jamel Dean. Mm-hmm. I mean, every, every Monday, David, we talk about a new and creative way that the Buccaneers find to lose games. Yeah. This team is two and six. I'll be shocked. Absolutely shocked at this point in time. If they win five games, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're redoing. I know we did our preseason record predictions. I don't know if we're doing a midseason record prediction, like a change, you know what I mean, whatever, update. Um, if, you know, pressed into it right now, which isn't a good idea to press into right now anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to see them winning five games or, or, or more than five games. Um, they better win next week, man. They don't beat Arizona. Uh, what reason would they have to beat Arizona? Uh, yeah. I mean, because at the end of the day, right? So, like, if you look at the outside looking from the outside looking, if you just look at stat sheet in four quarters, this team gave up this defense gave up 34 points to the Seattle Seahawks, to the Seattle Seahawks, to Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Chris Carson, Seattle Seahawks, NFC West contending, playoff contending, Super Bowl contending, NFL MVP offense to perform like 34 points against the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson really isn't. A be, like it's it's nothing to write home about, but you're not going to hang your head being like, oh man, I can't believe we did that. You know what I mean? And then scoring 34 points on the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle really isn't anything to hang your head down about. So that's that's what's kind of so frustrating about this is that the team itself, especially when you look at the players, you look at the rock, they really didn't do all that poorly. But that's the frustrating thing about because, like you said, James, like when they did when they went to zone, those routes that they were trying to use didn't work. When they went into zone coverage those things weren't able to happen when they put Jamel Dean on a tight end or on the running back and set him on a wide receiver. Those things didn't happen, but for some reason they kept going back and saying, no, our game, like, and, and this actually kind of fits their narrative. And we talked about this earlier in the week too, where they keep saying, we're not worried about what they're doing. We're worried about what we're doing. And that's essentially what this reeks of is Todd Bowles saying, I'm not worried about the Seahawks are doing. My plan is to have Jamel Dean cover this guy or this side of the field or this, you know, I didn't pay attention enough to know if he was lining up only on the strong side, only on the left side. You know, I didn't catch all that. But whatever it was, Todd Bowles basically say, my plan is for Jamel Dean to line up over here. And no matter what the Seahawks and what they're doing, I'm worried about what I'm doing. That, that And it doesn't make any any sense. You have an enemy. Like, people like to use war uh, war, war analogies a lot of times in sports right, and all that stuff. When you fight a war you are worried about what your enemy is doing. You have to understand what your enemy is trying to do. And you make your plan of attack based off of what your plan. Like when they went and got Al Baghdadi, they didn't go through the sidewall because they were worried about what he was going to do. They went through the sidewall because they knew it likes to booby trap entryways. You know how we know it likes to booby trap entryways? Because we've had dudes go through a lot of entryways and find booby traps. So we said, hey, look at what our enemy's doing. Let's change what we're doing to beat them better. If we just said, well, screw them, we're only worried about what we're doing, then we're going to keep meeting booby traps at the front door. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is why I'm so frustrated. Like, this is why this is so frustrating, because this game, like, we've had other games where you can look at Jameis, you can look at Mike making mistakes, you can look at Danny not playing our assignments properly, miscommunications in the secondary. This game, again, Jamel Dean, like, he's there. Like, when you, when you see him getting beat on these plays because he's there, to get beat. So he's where he's supposed to be. The kid's just not ready for that assignment. Like he's he's not there yet. He's he's got some ceiling. He's got some upside to him. I'll give you that. I got another tweet shortly after the game asking me out of all the the cornerbacks we've drafted to this team, which how many of them am I comfortable with? And I said two to three. Generous. And I see where you're coming from. But here's what I'll say Carlton Davis has upside. He's got to get those penalties fixed and obviously. Mm-hmm. But Carl Davis has some upside. Jamel Dean still after this game has some upside. We'll see how he is after this game because this might wreck this dude. And then Ryan Smith has a lot of special teams potential. So I'm kind of like comfortable, quote unquote, as him being a depth piece for special teams purposes. So there's my two to three. You know what I mean? 
so it's just yeah, it's in in this game. I, I look across the landscape. I understand the fumble. I will say this about the Jameis Winston fumble. There, his arm got hit fault. by Donovan Smith. Yep, there it is. Well, so I'm not gonna say it's not his fault. I'm not, I'm gonna say it wasn't as simple as he he racked his arm back and the ball just slipped out of his hands. That's not what happened. His arm got hit. <laughs> it wasn't Donovan a Smith. Florida State Oregon situation. <laughs> right, right. What I will say though is this: as an NFL quarterback, you're reaching back, you're cocking back to throw that ball. No part of you should be ready to let go of that ball in that moment. So even when your arm gets hit, like it's not like your arm got swatted by a defensive end. Like his arm got bumped by, like he he went elbow to elbow. To me, and this is kind of getting in the nitpickier parts of things, to me, that impact shouldn't be enough to make the ball go flying out of your hand. You know what I'm saying? But it's not just a flat out like, oh, here's Jameis again, just give him the ball away type of situation. No, it wasn't. It's it's a football play. It happens. Got it. Donovan Smith's not the best left tackle in the NFL. We understand that. We've already been over that. You know, there's no reason to rehash all that stuff. But again, as far as I see it from this game, if the defensive coordinator takes the time mid-third quarter, maybe at halftime, even in the fourth quarter, or how about overtime, and says, hey, what we've been doing, guys, not working, and they're on to us because they keep running the exact same route against our defense. Maybe let's change it. Maybe let's try something different. If you try something different and you still get beat, then you just got beat by a playoff team, and, and we can accept that, I think. But when you did the same thing you've been getting beat on all afternoon, and they continue to beat you, and you continue to do the same thing, and then you stand on the sideline saying, man, I wonder why this isn't working. That's where I have a problem, and that's a leadership problem, like I said, and it's not a leadership problem on the field. It's a leadership problem on the sideline. But we do have some voicemails, James, so I should probably get off my soapbox. Well, and real quick, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to disagree with you yeah. about that elbow-to-elbow contact, and I find it funny because I told this exact story to my son this morning on our way to his hockey games. Because we passed by the place where this happened. So years and years ago, uh, me and, and a group of people went to a place nearby called Land of Illusion, where they have like seven or eight haunted houses all set up. You pay you pay your ticket, you get to do all the houses. Really fun mm-hmm. place. I got something in my contact. I you know, It's in a dirt field. So dust and, and crap's getting kicked up all the time. Got dirt in my contact. I was in agony. I popped my contact out. And I was holding it in my fist. I had a death grip on my contact lens because I knew as soon as I got out of this haunted house, I was going to run into the bathroom, wash it off, clean out my eye, put my contact back in. And we go through this section of a haunted house where it was it was supposed to be like a, a freezer meat locker kind of thing where it has a bunch of, of meat hanging up from hooks. And they're swinging around like freaking punching bags. And I got hit by one on the side of my elbow and my hand uncontrollably opened. Like I could not have been holding on to my contact lens tighter. I've never held a fist tighter in my hand in my entire life. And I had absolutely no control. As soon as this, this part of my elbow got popped, my hand just spasmed open. So right. I'm not going to say that, that he was ready to get rid of the ball. But if he got popped on the right part of that elbow, you know, like we saw in that replay, his hand might've let go of the ball without even trying that. It just, it just happens. Well, his hand closed, the ball slipped out of his hand and his hand closed, not opened. I, but I get what you're saying. But like I said, it's not one of those plays where I'm like, Oh, there goes James again. Just give him the ball away. Like it's not so much. I'm blaming him. It's just kind of like, I don't know, man. It's like one of those things where I'm saying, ah, you're a pro quarterback. You should probably be able to withstand your offensive lineman hitting you in the elbow. But it's not 
Like it's not a big deal. You know what I mean? Like it's a um, big deal in the in this grand scheme of the game. But as far as like I want to blame this dude and tag him with with culpability, I'm not there with that play. That's that's not. If 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 our listeners want that, they're gonna have to go somewhere else. Well, and, and maybe Donovan Smith just shouldn't be hitting his own quarterback. But we have voicemails. <laughs> Let's go ahead and jump over to uh, what I'm sure will be um, some interesting calls. Yeah. Hey, James. Hey, David. This is. Hey, James. Hey, David. This is uh, Andrew calling from Tampa. Uh, Just finished the Seattle Seahawks game. And uh, yeah, I'm disappointed. We lost. But I have reason for optimism. I mean, we played our hearts out that as Bucks fans, as fans in general, that's what we want. We want to see a product where we look like we came to compete. We look like we came to play and they did. And I'm, you know, obviously there are some things that need to be fixed, you know, like Devin white missing tackles or whatever. But overall, I, I'm not upset. I don't feel the way I felt after the Tennessee game. And I feel like we're seeing progress. We're seeing the years and years of frustrations and, and all that. Or is this just a mirage? Who knows? But all in all, uh, I can, uh, I feel like we can go home and keep our heads high because we played a hell of a game. All right, guys. Uh, thanks so much for taking my call. Have a good week. All right, Andrew. Thank you very much for the call. Look, um, I I get where you're coming from and I get the sentiment, but I'm over this moral victory crap. I'm over it. Yeah. They, they went into Seattle. They went toe to toe with the Seahawks, took them to overtime, but guess what? They still lost. They had a 21 to seven lead. They had the ball up 21 to seven at the two minute warning of the set of the of the first half ran two plays two incomplete passes and punted the ball away to the Seahawks who were receiving the second half kickoff and the Seahawks marched right down the field and scored no resistance no problem that in fact David correct me if I'm wrong wasn't that the drive where they were aided by a 38 yard defensive pass interference penalty by by Devin White their first touchdown drive? No, the one at the end of the first half. Oh, the one at the end of the first half. Um, I believe so. Hang on. Yes, 38-yard penalty with 48 seconds left. Uh, Russell Wilson attempting a pass to his tight end. Hollister, I don't know his Hollister. name, Hollister. Uh, Devin White, yeah, pass interference, 38-yard penalty in force at the Tampa Bay 39, no play, first and 10. Yeah. Now, granted... The Bucks were able to march the ball and get it a field goal range. Matt Gay mm-hmm. had his first miss since the Giants game. I'm not going to fault him for missing a 50-yarder nope. with the wind blowing. Nope. Tough kick. Yep. Other other than that one miss, Matt Gay has been absolutely nails since that Giants game. And he was nails again on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not upset by that. What I'm upset about is that you had the opportunity to bury this team and you throw it incomplete to was it Brashad Perryman and then incomplete to Chris Godwin 
and punt the ball away after after you called timeout before Seattle punted the ball to you so that you had two and a half minutes left, the two-minute warning, and two timeouts to make something happen. And instead, you come out of the two-minute warning, throw two incomplete passes, punt the ball away, and let them march down the field unimpeded to take it from what should have been a three-possession game down to a one-possession game. That's the kind of crap that pisses me off. That's the kind of crap that I look at and I say, no, I'm not going to be you know, happy or proud that this team went toe-to-toe with the Seahawks when they should have buried the Seahawks. A score at the end of that first half could have put Seattle out for the rest of the game. But then again, as we discussed in the beginning of this episode, with this secondary, nothing's impossible for the opposing offense. But that could have been one of the most demoralizing drives that Seattle has faced this season. Seattle doesn't lose. They are 7-2. and two. Yeah. Oddly I mean, enough, both of their losses came at home. Yeah. I Like, from a fan standpoint, right? So from a fan standpoint, you're not on the field and you're not in the meeting rooms and neither are we, right? But I, it's almost... It's 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 a little bit harder, guys, right? So I've been covering this team for this is my fifth season. James, how many seasons is this for you? Because I know you've been doing it longer than me. Uh as far as as coverage? covering the Bucks. Yeah. Um gosh. Six six or seven. Right. And you guys all know, like we're not we're not even as close to the team as the Scott Reynolds of the world, the Mark Cooks, the Greg Almonds. And all that stuff. But the closer you get to the team, right, the the less you have room for some of these moral victories like James is talking about. As a fan, man, like, I'm all about it, guys. Like, you know what? You have a roster of players that is out there working their ass off. They're busting their ass. And they did. They just went toe-to-toe for four rounds into overtime against a team that is uh, going to make the playoffs and is going to be one of the favorites to potentially coming out come out of the NFC and represent them in the Super Bowl. I still think it's going to be the Seahawks as the favorite, or the Saints as the favorite. We'll see how the Niners uh, finish. I still kind of feel like the Niners have a little bit of a pretender, contender, you know, debate going on about them. And then the Seahawks are one of those teams that are kind of always there. So, of course, they're a contender when they get in the postseason. So, yeah, so to a certain extent as a fan, because that's all you can do, right? It's like the Tony Romo Corona uh, commercials, right? right? Like, grab your beer, go sit down, and cheer your team on, man, because that's all you can do. So I'm all about it. And don't get me wrong, guys, like, I know, you know, I sound heated and, and frustrated and all that. And it is frustrating. And it's frustrating because I know what you guys put into it. I know what you guys go through. You guys dedicate your Sunday to this. Like most of you on a four o'clock uh, Eastern time kickoff, you didn't go spend your day doing other stuff. You you probably sat at home preparing to watch the game or watch the early games, waiting to watch the Buccaneers play. So I understand the investment and the money and the time and all that stuff. So it's frustrating. And then as you get closer to the team, like we've seen this team physically like live in living color put in this effort put in this work so you know all the efforts going in so when they make simple mistakes again like going back to the to the scheming right we see this team consistently come out i, I sent out a, a tweet during halftime kind of a jekyll and hyde type of thing we've seen this team come out so many times and start off strong in games whether it's defensively offensively or both 
they've come out in games and they've started off strong. And then they come out in the second half and they just lay an egg. That's coaching, man. That's adjustments because you can come in and when you come into a game and you have your initial game plan, you come in and you, you get an advantage over your opponent. That's great. But when you go into the locker room or as the game progresses, when your opponent starts counterpunching and starts countering what you're doing to them, you've got to counter back. If you don't, that's when you're going to lose. That's when you're going to fall. That's when we see this team drop 21 point leads, 14 point leads, because the other side of the of the, the other sideline, they're over there saying, "Okay, here's what we're going to do to combat what they're doing to us. Here's how we're going to stop what they've been able to do so far. Here's how we're going to be more successful moving forward." If you don't come back with a counter of your own, you're going to be you're going to be the one getting knocked out. This team finished three quarters of this game, either tied or in the lead. The problem is they didn't finish the one that mattered the most with the lead. You know what I mean? So when you look at this game from a holistic standpoint, the Seahawks, they just didn't score more points. And that sound, that's like a Matt Millen comment. You know what I mean? It sounds stupid as hell, but that's really what it boils down to. And I'll, and I'll say this too before we get to the next voicemail because I want to try to at least fit one or two more in if we can, James. The New England Patriots are scoring more points than anybody in the NFL on average right now, right? And through eight games, they're averaging 31.2 points. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers scored 34 points. So I got that Jameis Winston fumbled. I got that Matt Gay missed a field goal. But you know something? When you're out, when you outscore the pace that the NFL leading scorer is on in a single game, you've put your team in a position to win. Bottom line, you've put your team in a position to win. Can you score more? Of course, everybody can score more. You can score a touchdown every single possession. The Seattle Seahawks have only given up 30 points or more in two games this year. They lost them both. They were both at home to the Saints and the Ravens. The Buccaneers just put up 34 points. History tells you you should have beat the Seattle Seahawks this week. The reason they didn't beat the Seattle Seahawks, James, as you've already said, is defense, specifically the secondary. More specifically, Jamel Dean. And like we just talked about, or I just talked about Randon, I'm not going to do it again. He gave, he struggled, the secondary struggled, and then the defense struggled. Why? Because they did the same coverage against the same offense the entire game and eventually go through the game again. In the first quarter, the Seahawks are like, oh, man, that worked. In the second quarter, like, hey, look, guys, it worked again. In the third quarter, they're going, hey, uh, this is still working. In the fourth quarter, they said, dude, they're not doing anything to change this. And that's why they won. Look at the pace of the game. And that's exactly how the Buccaneers lost control of this game. It's slowly but surely up until the fourth quarter in overtime when the Seahawks just said, cool, uh, hey, run right to left, and then I'll hit you on the other side of the field. Hey, okay, now you run left to right, and I'll hit you on the other side of the field. Look at the final play of the game. Which direction was that tight end running? To the right. He was running from left to right. Yep. Running across Russell Wilson's line. He wasn't wasn't running a corner. He wasn't running even a squared in out route or in route or a dig. He was literally running perpendicular or parallel rather as about as parallel as you can get to the line of scrimmage to get separation on his defender. Wilson hit him and his forward momentum took in the end zone to the death. This defense had the same game plan to the death and they died for it. And so as a fan, as you're excited to see these players go out there and leave it out on the field and, and come back and, and, and fight and fight about to the very, to the end, to the last bell. Um, I, I hope you are, but also as you become a, a further aware fan or, or whatever you want to call it, understand that your coaches just let you down. Todd Bowles is too smart to go full Mike Smith. And in this game, he went full Mike Smith. Yeah. I mean, he really did. It was, it, again, it, 
Julio Jones coming out saying they did the same thing, so we did the same thing. It's like playing Madden against my eight-year-old, like slants <laughs> all the way down the field because he just he'll get mad and he'll run more blitzes, which leaves more slants open. And yeah. then I win sixty-six to nothing. It's just next Crazy. caller. What's going on, man? My first time caller. I'm from uh Hopewell, New Jersey. Been a fan since ninety-five. It's craziness. This team is so good on paper, but can't do a thing when they get on the field. All right, I hope I see myself, but it is what it is. You guys are awesome. Lock on Bucks. You guys are good. Good stuff. Love the Bucks. Go Bucks, but this team is trash. Trash. See you when I see you. Go Bucks! Bye. All right. Well, uh, mystery man from New Jersey. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, David, I'll, I'll let you go first on this one. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, thanks for the call. You said it's your first time. So obviously we don't recognize your voice or the number. Um, please next time you call in, uh, leave us your name. Uh, cause we'd love to know your name and thanks for the call. And please keep calling in. Yeah. Um, so the team's not trash, right? The roster has some ability. There, there are players on this team that 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 have some upside. Not every one of them, you know. There, I expect there to be quite a bit of turnover between this year and next year, uh, specifically on defense. But the the biggest cons- the biggest things that stand out to me at with this team through eight weeks is a significant lack of veteran leadership. Because there's one touchdown. I can't remember exactly which one it was, but there's one touchdown, and it was Jamel Dean, of course. Um, I want to say it was DK Metcalf. You know, actually, I think it was Lockett, where Jamel Dean had really good coverage in the end zone on Lockett. But when the ball came and Dean turned and looked at the ball, it's like he became the world's worst break dancer because he just flailed his limbs in the air with really very little body control and almost no, it seemed like really just kind of no plan. Like when he went in the air, he was like, okay, I'm going in the air to do something. I'm just not really sure what that is. And to me, that's where veteran leadership comes in. That's where, you know, like that touchdown probably happens. But while this kid is 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 struggling, you need that veteran leader. You need that coach on the field to pull him aside and say, hey, dude, here's what's happening. Let's figure out why this problem is happening. Let's figure it out together and let's go over what we can do. Because to Todd Bowles' credit, like his concern is every level of the defense. He can't sit there and say, okay, I can only be worried about Jamel Dean right now. I got that. He's got to worry about defensive front, or, you know, defense front penetration, linebacker coverage, and blitzes, and he's got to worry about the secondary. So that's where your veteran leadership comes in. And I don't want to question people's intelligence, you know what I'm saying? But Levante David's never been a defensive back in the National Football League. Devin White is still trying to figure out how to be a complete linebacker, you know, himself in the National Football League. And Domkin Sue is a defensive tackle by trade, defensive end in this scheme, like. The most experienced guy on this field, on this team, who can talk to him in real time is Vernon Hargraves. And Vernon Hargraves is having his own struggles. Vernon Hargraves, like, let's not get a twist. I know Jamel Dean has a spotlight on him, but go back. Vernon Hargraves got burned on the exact same types of routes plenty of times today. You know what I mean? Um, so Vernon Hargraves is out there trying to figure it out himself. How's he going to tell Jamel Dean how to figure it out? Like, they're like, 
and that's kind of where the secondary kind of looks is every single member of the secondary is literally out there. Every man on their own trying to figure out how to make things work. And the only one right now who's really making positive growth is Jordan Whitehead. And that's great. But Jordan Whitehead's role in this defense is a much, much different than a guy like Jamel Dean's. So the success that Jordan Whitehead is having does not directly translate to Jamel Dean's. So asking a guy like Jordan Whitehead, who's young in his own career, to mentor a guy on the sideline, like there's no but like that's what I'm saying, man. Like Jamel Dean in in this game, like I just feel like this dude is sitting on the sideline by himself. And there's probably guys coming over saying, It's all right, Jamel, keep it up, buddy. You know, patting him on the butt, patting him on the shoulders, patting him on the helmet. But nobody's actually sitting there telling them how we're going to get better. And I just feel bad for the dude to a certain extent. Uh, I know he's a professional football player, but um, I don't know, guys. Like we, We've all been the new guy at work. We've all been the guy who's learning how to do their job. And if you're out there struggling and you're getting beat up doing your job and nobody is there, your bosses aren't putting in any processes to help you get better. There's nobody at work, no veteran guy who's been there for a minute in the company that can come and tell you, from their own experiences, how to get better. That's a lonely place to be, man. Like that dude in a stadium full of people on a sideline of an NFL football team probably felt about as alone as you can get. Um, so I don't know. I don't, that's why I don't put it on the players, man. So when you say the team is trash, I don't think the team is trash. I think they've got a lot of problems. I think this coaching staff had way too much bravado and made way too many hard statements a lot earlier than they should have. And that's what we're seeing. But again, like we talked about on the weekend, James, we're going to find out who's making them liars, right? And you got to find out who's making your, you a liar about what this team can be, and you got to replace those liars. That's that's just what that's just the bottom line. I don't think Jamel Dean's a liar. I just think he's a guy who's put on the podium way too soon. Yeah, basically, you know, Carlton Davis went out and they expected Jamel Dean to go in and do what Davis does, and he can't. If yeah. he could he would be out there as a starter. Right. And you know, you you have to you have to adjust. All right, well David, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. I know we're already over on time. I'm sure we'll be getting plenty more calls. Oh yeah, we've already uh, got more that have come in, but yeah, you're right. We're way over time. So, we'll save them for tomorrow. All right, yeah. So, a voicemail heavy episode coming to you on Tuesday. Until then, Please make sure you're checking out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Send in your voicemails to 813-444-5841. The road trip is finally over. The Bucks return to Raymond James to play the Cardinals this weekend, a game they should win, but... <laughs> There's been plenty of games that they should have won already this season. So, yeah. Hope you all have an outstanding day, and thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks. Because you had a bad day, you take one down, you sing a sad song just to turn it around. You say you don't know, you tell me don't lie, you work